Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us again today. How about a little leadership inspiration? I have the founder of Leaders by Design on the podcast today. She is a coach and mentor of personal and corporate leadership training to strengthen communication, confidence, focus, influence, connection. That speaks to me as a connector. And I could say so much more about this wonderful lady, but we're going to let the conversation do the talking. Pushpa Vigela joins us today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Pushpa, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Brian, for inviting me. So excited and very, very proud of what you're doing. Absolutely love it. I, I just I don't know what else to say at that that moment. It's like rarely do I get guests that just compliment me out of the shoot. It's like thank you. you no, know, that listen, push. But you and I, we we connected through a mutual friend. We were talking about that before we started recording. And there's a lot of synergy between what you're doing with the lead and inspire uh, leader. Forgive me, I've, I've butchered that already. Lead, inspire, <laughs> transform. Leaders by design. There's so much synergy there between what we do. I want to ask you this. As we record this in the midst of COVID-19, I want to get a perspective, a personal perspective of how the last year has been for you. Kind of walk me through the last year or so, what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've heard from clients around this pandemic situation that has now reached globally. It's gone from Australia where you are today, all the way to the United States and West Virginia where I am. What have you seen, heard, and felt the last year around this pandemic? So the last year has been really interesting, especially, um, and I'll share a little bit about why so much for me, why it's been so profound. So in 2019, July, I was diagnosed with an illness and I was told I was not going to make it past December 2019. And I thought, okay, so I I changed everything. And the other thing was that I had a trusted partner. I had two really great companies with lots of small subsidiaries in there. And the partner actually at that time took everything. And when I met this guy, he had nothing. So he literally took me, took everything and I was left with a $50,000 debt and homeless. The only thing I walked away was with my car and I'd actually left my four beautiful baby cats there and the tree that I used to hug every day. Beside that, anyway, come January, I was still alive. So blessed, you know, with God. And even though my mission for the last five decades has been in helping others and transforming lives. I've been blessed to have done that with hundreds and thousands of people. January was when I decided, okay, now I can, you know, start looking forward now that I've got my health in a great place, but I didn't stop working. I was still doing a lot of contribution work. So two days a week, I'd be at City Point Church just offering um, clinical psychology sessions. So by profession, I'm also a clinical psychologist. And then, you know, going to homeless centers and the shelters, because when I, when I was homeless during that time, Brian, I was actually reaching out to these communities for food, for help, for support. And so January that continued and I didn't have internet, uh, didn't have a roof over my head at that time. So I'd go and park the car outside the local library and using their free internet, thanking God for it, setting up my businesses. So when COVID hit, I was like, okay, because how do I grow this business? How do I, you know, how do I reach out to more people? Everything went chaotic. And what I first noticed, especially here in Australia, that there was a calmness around it. Yes, some specific areas, there may have been panic in that, but 
the energy around me, the presence around me, there was a calmness. And I went to an, an employment queue and I, you know, I, cause I had to go in and apply, right? I had no money for food or anything. And throughout that whole time, Brian, all this time, I just kept asking God, I know you're guiding me here for a reason. There's a purpose behind me. I never stopped my prayers at, you know, my one hour with God in the morning. My prayers increased because of that time. I, I was so connected with him, with my values and his mission for me. So I was in this unemployment queue and I saw professionals and I saw business people that were now standing in this queue having to claim for uh, unemployment benefit. And that's where I saw true anxiety, stress, and depression. And I said to God, okay, what can I do? So every Monday, what I do is wherever I could go to one of these queues and I'd go and offer coffee, biscuits. I'd talk to the people because we all had to stand 1.5 meters apart and ask them, can I help you setting up your Gmail or is there any help that I can give you with your paperwork? And just really being there. So I, I did that. And where I was offering the counseling and coaching at the City Point Community Care, so that was an extension of their church. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people coming there just wanting to chat. And what was interesting is that, yes, COVID was happening, but the issues and the emotions that they were dealing with was of the past. COVID was a trigger for many people I, I believe that, you know, address what's been going on so then you can deal with what's coming here. And if they didn't address that, then there was a lot of burnouts and then there was a lot of breakdowns. So that was really great in regards to my clients, like my clientele started increasing and very fortunate that I got a roof over my head through housing and the clients were great, you know, they'd drive up or I'd go and see them, which was fantastic. It, it didn't have to be face to face or where we were allowed, we could have a coffee or go and sit on the outlook. And cause they needed help, they needed support and they wanted to continue in their profession or their business. They didn't want to give up. What did they you learn about, push back to, let me jump in here. I, I, I have to ask you, what did you learn most about yourself? in that time because, and I'm trying to put myself in the moment where you're, you are, you've had this traumatic experience with your health. Then you've had a traumatic experience with a partner. Then you've had a traumatic experience in saying, okay, I've got to pick myself up and I've got to do this. What was the one thing you learned about yourself most? through that time that you were trying to get back on your feet? Yeah, faith. My faith was my power and in that I was confident. So that was the one thing I learned to make stronger. It was there. I just needed to hold on to that. Did you ever ask yourself why? Because again, the natural inclination that most people have when they're dealing with, and, and when I went through a job loss almost four years ago, every day was a question of why. Why is this taking so long? Why is this continuing to happen? Why haven't hasn't something come together? And it wasn't the right time. And I, I realized in the middle of my situation, what God was telling me was that storms have a definite ending and a, and a definite beginning and a definite ending. So we just had about three or four weeks ago, we had three winter storms in a week. We had two ice storms and a winter storm. And every one of them had a definite beginning and a definite ending. Every storm does. And I had to, to keep telling myself, once I had that, it's going to come to an end. And it did. And for you, you were able to pick yourself up and, and get back on your feet. What did you learn about other people? What did you learn in pe about people in general? Because you mentioned you've been working with people for five decades, which is incredible. 
and all this knowledge and all this, the, the resource of, of the wealth of knowledge that you carry internally. But what, but was there a moment where you step back and you go, I really didn't realize this about people. Yeah. So the first question you asked was, did I ask myself why that was never all I, all I knew was that this was going to support my calling and my purpose and his will. And what I noticed about people was how much they had over maybe their lifespan disassociated with all the greatness that a human being has. Because we've mm. all been blessed with gifts and qualities. And yes, they had the ability to hold a job or to run a business, but humanity had been lost. That initial ability that we have, that's why I do the leadership from within, because people lost this. They were very much here, but they'd lost what was going on here. I'm jotting some notes down for those that are watching on YouTube. And what I just jotted down, Pushpa, was that statement, losing humanity and helping people find it. Because you're, you're standing in line in an unemployment queue. You have to socially distance 1.5 meters for those in the United States is six feet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. And so I had to do some, because I've seen those signs on, on, you know, I've seen those, the, the meter, the metric system broken down for us here in the United States. And so, you know, I know that it's about six feet or a little more than six feet. And so again, you're helping people from a distance, you're staying, so staying safe and socially distant and things like that. I would have to think though, push, but that the reaction that you got from people was twofold. Because I, I can sense the, the reaction. Some might have been skeptical mm -hmm. because you're standing in the same line they are and you're reaching out to help them. And they're probably like, well, why is this person trying to help me? They're in the same line I am. I'm in. Or the other side of the coin, and I think more often, and you haven't shared this with me, this is just the sense that I get, is more often than not, the reaction was, two people connecting in a similar situation you giving and the other person being grateful to receive is that what happened in most cases yeah and you, you're right about you know people were skeptical like you know why is she helping but when they saw that it wasn't the first time you know i went back the next week or i started building that relationship what i found was that people were just grateful that, that somebody was coming and smiling at them or talking to them. You could see it, you know, that they, they had to have this frown on their face or this worried look or this connection or they're on their phone and only three people allowed in the office at a time. So the, the queues were massive. And what I found was that the people that were regularly visiting that before COVID, they were probably the most happiest or the most grateful that, oh, thank you very much. Or, you know, offering them a Farah Roshi and thank you so much, really appreciative. But the new people in there, they were, they, they had turmoil going on. There was confusion. There was lack of connection, not only for them, there was fear of the not knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, one minute they're here and then all of a sudden, I'm not going to say they were down there. It's like they're here and then it's changed and there's no gap there. It's this or that. There was no step by step. It happened over time or we expected this to happen or we were preparing ourselves for this to happen. No, that didn't happen. Well, Pushpa, I can see as well, too, that there were folks there that you would interact with week in and week out that they were very glad to see you when you came. Oh, Pushpa. Oh, it's so good to see you. Even in the midst of trying situations, there are times when seeing a familiar face is, is encouraging. It's uplifting. It's, oh, I'm going to get to connect with, oh, there's Pushpa. There, there, yes. And immediately the emotions lift and, and there are things happening internally. 
where people just feel that that kinship, that sense of togetherness, that sense of belonging. What was the ma- what was the major takeaway? And maybe you've answered this, but but I, I want to pull just a little more conversation out of that. What did that do to change your business? Or your or your thinking or your business model because here's why I asked that and and I and forgive me for making the question a little bit long winded. Here's what I'm seeing in the moment. I'm seeing this, and you said, "Well, I, I'm starting to you know I was starting to get a roof over my head and get into some housing and things like that." But you never stopped caring for those people in that moment. Was there something that you took away from it? that you've carried through in your own business that maybe before you wouldn't have done or hadn't done previously? Okay. So one of the first, one of the things that I did find in there, Brian, was that people find it very hard to trust other people. And for me to build that communication and connection with them, they had to trust me. And that, you know, that took some time and, when what I also found was that when they saw me in that same queue, they realized that I was coming from a place of understanding and empathy. Definitely no ego, arrogance, or pride. Absolutely not. And I, I truly believe, and this is one thing that strengthened my business. So if you're asking what strengthened my business during COVID, was the ability to really get people to trust you and have faith in you knowing that it's their interest at heart. Uh, when in August, Brian, my beloved car last year, uh, I had a pea plater crash into the car and crush the car, crush my home. Oh no. So I lost the use of one arm. They had to rebuild the whole thing. And um, so then, obviously, the Centrelink queue stopped. I, I couldn't travel. You know, and, and I don't know, whiplash or whatever, whatever they call it. So I lost that, and all this was gone, so I didn't have that. But I still didn't stop. I, I got people to pick me up, take me to the church, take me to the community care centers. I did a lot of online. So I, I've been doing business mentoring for Queensland government for 12 years now. And that's for all small, medium enterprises. I still continue doing that. I did whatever I could online. And I think you must have read my portfolio. I'm one of Tony Robbins trainers. And Tony's just built this huge studio, you know, to accommodate We've just had 50,000 people on a, on a UPW event. And even then, yes, Tony has his cause, but when we get to look after, like I just had thousand people I was looking after and a team of five people that I was, that were helping me to do that. And even through that, I just, I pray that, you know, God always comes through me with exactly what the other person needs to, here and it doesn't matter what avenue i believe that everybody that comes to you is a time that is being tested to see how you will respond to that and that's what this whole business model is that irrelevant of whoever comes you know yes the business is there yes we're making money you know we have to survive we have to live but there has to be a level of humility and that's the crux of everything is that there has to be humility you have to be humble in everything that you do, irrelevant of what you have or what you don't have, whatever you're going through. That is so good. Let's step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk with Pushpa about leadership beginning from within. I want to I want to dive in and park on that for a few minutes, and then later we'll tell the rest of her incredible story. Come back. Be back in just a moment here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines 
in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Pushbutt, I love in your bio, in your LinkedIn bio, this quote, I am an advocate for leadership with certainty that that leadership only begins from within as it takes into consideration all the aspects of an individual, the physical, mental, intellectual, emotional, the decider, and the communicator connector. Again, my book, People Buy From People, talks about connection. So again, when, when we were talking in the in the the first segment that really resonates with me but i love the leadership begins from within i want to ask you this question as we start this part of our conversation what are what is one thing that you've identified that most leaders do not have within them that they need to be more successful i i'd still say it comes back to the faith in their ability to lead and why I say that, Brian, is that we're all, we're all leaders in some way, shape or form. We've made a decision, we've made a choice, we've influenced other people. We've done something of our own, which means that everything that a leader needs is within us. But if you don't have that faith within you, the faith, the lack of faith will, it will hinder your growth, it will hinder your development. It will stop you from, even though you might be leading on a smaller scale and you know you say, for example, you want to say something else because you know it will, it will help other people, but you hold off because you don't have that faith within you. That is so good. I, I love that. Having the faith to believe that you can lead. Because a lot of times, Pushpa, leaders are not trained they're, they're, it's it's all based on skills and abilities. And that's how leaders are chosen. It's like, well, and, and I'll share this. So I've been around sales leaders that were really good salespeople. And they were tapped because of their ability to sell. And they weren't necessarily good leaders because leading and doing are two different things. But I, I've never really heard anybody say you have to have faith to believe that you can lead because it's all been around what you've done, not how you feel and how you believe in yourself. How do you take, how do you take those people and get them to tap in to the faith aspect of leadership? Cause that resonates with me. That speaks to me. How do you get people to, to start believing and having faith in themselves that they are going to be a good leader? And that comes back to where I say leadership is in this modern. So I don't know if you know about my history, but I've been studying ancient leadership for now nearly four, four decades, I'd say. It started with my mom teaching me at a very young age. And one of the, the faith concept is there, but the faith will only come is when we look at where you are emotionally. So you could think of it as doing a transgressional journey to see what's been going on with your emotions, the meanings, what's in your psychic, where are you with your intelligence, your positive intelligence, where are you with your IQ? That faith will only come stronger when we've scraped that barrel from within to identify where this is. So we could say this is your world, where, where is your inner world right now? Faith increases when you've got clarity around everything. You've got to have certainty in 
all that's associated with being a human being. And one thing, like one of I've made, I've got five decisions around my businesses. I've got five values, and one of the decisions and one of my values is that I will never ever stop studying. So I have, you know, I have a doctorate. I have my I, I didn't study at home because my mom died at so when I was 10 years old and I looked after my family. I had no education. I was a welder. Yet today I've got like five degrees and I've got a doctorate and I've done my master's in accounting. I never stop studying or learning because I always want to add value. And that faith is the ability to know that it's not about you. You've got everything that you need to be able to deliver, but it's always got to be about the other person and having that faith and trust within you to be able to deliver for others and the value add. I've got to ask you this because Tony Robbins, and you mentioned, you mentioned Tony Robbins. He's such an internationally renowned speaker and trainer and motivational speaker. And I mentioned him in, in my book, People Buy From People, because one thing that struck me as I was doing research into his life was that he, how closely he was connected to Jim Rohn, who was a great leader and, and teacher and motivational speaker. And, yes. and Robbins was so moved by what he heard from Jim Rohn, he had to be a part of that organization. What is the greatest thing that you have picked up from the teachings and the motivations of Tony Robbins? So Tony shares that a lot. And it was because of Jim that, you know, he thought, so everything is possible. And it was Jim that actually helped him set up in the first instance to become that speaker or become the person that wants to make a difference. Now, Tony has a lot of stages in the way that his life has been. And right now he's at this stage where it's about oneness. It's more spiritual. It's more about connection and through God. And I love that because what we yeah, have before in the past, you know, he has all these programs, which is fantastic. But I think the greatest thing that he has in his programs right now is that spiritual, the spirituality. And when I talk about spirituality, say, for example, I, I was teaching meditation for, um, it's a world, well, I think they're Australia-wide water desalination company. And I remember one specific guy coming to me and he goes, oh, I'm a, and I don't, please don't take this as an offense. I'm a Jehovah's Witness, so I won't be doing the meditation. I actually used to go and teach them yoga on a Monday morning so that they'd be prepared for the week mm -hmm. as well as you know, the leadership classes. And I got one, they have this tower magazine and I actually brought that and I said, Christopher, if you just read the back and in there it says, you know, one of the deepest way and the quickest way of attaining your communication and connection with God is meditation. And, you know, and I said, well, if you had without criticism or judgment I said if you'd read the Bible how many times does it say that you should meditate on the word of God and when we're doing meditation you like you know you can call it a closed eye process or you can call you can call it whatever you want that's your time to connect with whatever you want to it's it's and that's what Tony was just saying at this last event is that spirituality it's not about religion it really is about you being you and your oneness and the energy that surrounds us and being there for, you know, being there in your right space, in the right frame of mind, in the, you know, the right um, element for you. No, I, I love that because Pushpa, what you were doing in that moment was connecting with someone. And again, I connect with people of all different walks of life, all different they can believe different things. And, and again, it's okay because I, and I've said this before, and this is a great place to put it in is that the greatest relationships are always cultivated on common ground. You try to find a place to connect because people, people buy connection before they ever make a transaction. And when you connect with that person who has, has walled you off, and it's the smallest thing that you say, here, I found this. 
I was thinking about you and I found this, I thought it might help us come together. And so I'm thinking with you in that moment of it being that aha, that revelatory moment of this person thought enough of me to understand me and get to know me in a deeper, different and deeper place. I love that. That is brilliant connection. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I can, I can be, I can have a conversation with someone who doesn't believe religiously or philosophically as I do. It's okay. I can connect with them because again, at the core, everyone has core universal values given to them by God that we need to tap into. And I love that example. That is such a beautiful example of just connecting and saying, Hey, you know, I know meditation isn't really what you want to do, but you know, knowing your faith, here's what your faith says about meditation. That's brilliant. Pushpa. That's brilliant connection and communication. No, I must ask you this before we transition into more of your story. You mentioned your mom being a leadership teacher and coach in your life. And then you, you having to lead your family and look after your family after your mom passed away when you were 10. And we'll get into more of that story here in a minute. What do you think the greatest leadership lesson was that your mom ever taught you? Don't be a victim. Wow. Wow. Can you, can you repeat that again? I, I want people, I really want people to get that, that powerful, that, that was so powerful. Would you please share that again, Pushpa? Yeah. The, the, the greatest gift that she blessed me with, the greatest gift that God blessed me with through her was that don't ever be a victim. And somehow my mother knew that the first 50 years of my life were going to be somewhat of a test for my calling. So I was in, you know, we are Hindus by, you know, that's what we were born into. So I, I, she taught us all around Hinduism and spirituality, all that around that time. And then she actually went to the church. This is in the UK. She went to the church to sort of improve her English classes. And I have nine brothers and I was the third youngest. So some of us started going to Sunday school and some of us started just doing Bible study. And I, I, you know, there were so many things that have happened in my life that I don't understand why. And at that time I used to think why, but I used to go anyway, cause mom was there. And the only time I really got time to spend with my mom was when either she was combing my hair or I, um, she had three jobs in a day. So the one before I started school and the one after I finished school, I'd go and help her. When the staff had gone, I'd go and do the work so she could rest. And um, when she passed, I realized that uh, it was dark, lonely, and it was a church people that used to come and see us every Saturday. I sometimes used to cook the worst food. But they, always said thank you and it tasted really nice but wow. I, I saw what that happened that is so that is so neat i want to take just a quick break pushpa i want to get into that story around your mom and, and share the story of your life and and you've you've beautifully woven that into our conversation but i want to dive deeper into that um, we will be back with Pushpa's story here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger 
deeper and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Pushba, you mentioned before the break, your mom passed when you were 10. Your mom worked three jobs. So take me through your early life. Take me as far back as you want to take me from point A to how you got here. And just tell the rest of, of your, your beautiful story. What a beautiful story it is. So I'll start with where I was born. I was actually born in Nairobi, Africa, so Kenya. And my parents started, uh, like I said, I've got nine brothers. I'm the third youngest and two sisters. And parents started moving to the UK. I think it was from the year 1966. So I moved to the UK when I was six months old. And yeah, it, it was a beautiful life. I just remember great things. You know, mom would start the day with prayers. She'd, and I had really long hair. She'd comb my hair. And all I remember was a delicious food. I never even thought is that how does this woman cook three meals a day, holding three jobs a day and everything, you know, it was just phenomenal. But she was my inspiration. And I spent a lot of time as much as possible where I could. Hence the reason I used to go work with her and I knew she was tired. So as soon as the staff left, she'd sit down and then I'd go and do everything that she needed needed to be done. So when she became ill, uh, it, it was hard that she wasn't at home, but at home I started helping out a lot more. Both my sisters were married at this time. And then when she passed, yeah, that, that was a very dark time. And we have a... <laughs> Well, we have a connection. No, no, no. We, we have a great connection there because my dad was the youngest of 12. So my, my grandparents had, had 12. My dad's oldest sibling, his brother was 27 years older than he was. And he had nieces, he had nieces and nephews that were older than he. How wide of a gap, how wide of a spread is it in your family from oldest to youngest? So my eldest brother, he's 19 years older than me. And he got married when I think my sister got married, one of them when I was four. No, my brothers, but two elder brothers got married when I was four. And then my sister got married and then another sister got married after that. And when they left home, that's when I sort of became more involved in the housework and supporting mom. No washing machine. We used to wash the clothes in the bathtub. Uh, no machines to do things. All our spices and everything were made freshly at home. And then, yeah, after she passed, um, you know, for a number of... My father went through depression because he absolutely loved her. And the only way we could get him through the day, because he turned to drinking a little bit more, very stressed out, uh, was that I used to put the names in a hat of all my brothers and me with all the chores for the for the week, for the month. And then every two hours, one of us would be with our father. And because we couldn't speak the language, we just used to read him verses from the Bible. And he'd just lie in his bed and listen. Wow. Um, yeah, then I got married. Um, at the, those times, I had very limited money. So I cooked the same food every day for every day of the week. So if Monday, if it was lentils, it was lentils every Monday. Tuesdays, if it was just potatoes, it was just potatoes every Tuesday. But those were my most happiest moments. I absolutely loved looking after my family. And my dog and my cat were my lifeline. Because I had no friends. I couldn't keep friends because I had a household to look after. 
Uh, I was studying, yes, I was doing well, but I had to stop studying so I could get a job. And then following that, I, I met the love of my life. I was so grateful to God that I got to experience life with somebody that absolutely loved me on a very deep spiritual level. So I got married into business. So, you know, the businesses, we expanded, we grew, which was phenomenal, really great. And that's when I realized that I had this business mindset. Then what happened? I think I was seven years into the business and our accountant actually bodged up the account. So it triggered off a tax audit for seven, um, seven years worth of tax audits. And we found out that he had been putting assumptions into the accounts. So it, I said to my husband, let me go and do a quick bookkeeping course. There was no computers. It took me three months to recreate the accounts. Luckily, we kept all the receipts over the seven years. And we got through the audit. And then after that, I asked my husband if I can continue studying. And he said, yeah, sure, as long as it doesn't interrupt the business, which was open from eight till 10.30 at night, 8 a.m. in the morning till 10.30. Plus we had the kids because I had my daughter when I was 19. And so I used to study between two and five in the morning, only go to university, sit the exams. And I remember the three-year three -year degree that I did, I finished in two years. And yeah, I was awarded student of the year. <laughs> I don't even know how I didn't even get to university. But um, yeah, but I had my first business at school as a young entrepreneur at 14. That's when I got my first award. And then following that, I, I've never stopped studying since I was. And even with the accounting, Brian, I was like thinking, God, I don't like numbers. That's the, play, that's the only subject I've got to see in. And I just couldn't understand why I was doing. I kept telling myself is to support the business, is to support the business. But was, little was I to know that 70, 16 years after I married my husband that he was going to pass away as well. And had I not done it, I would have been left homeless. I would have lost my children and I, I would have probably been stacking shelves in a supermarket or something. Your lifelong passion and purpose for learning literally saved your life. When, when you're, as you're going through this the first time, you're finding that someone you trusted as an accountant is intentionally trying to sabotage your business. And that's the best way to put it. And it's the only way to put it. And it's the only way to put something around what that person did. And it caused you to learn. And from that, it prepared you for your husband's passing in some small way, you were prepared, not that anyone is prepared to lose their spouse, but what you learned was what you needed to learn to propel you through that time. Take me through that time when you lost your husband. How did you have the emotional capital to continue on in your business? So I think definitely, I'm, I'm sure it was numbness, even though, and I, even then I didn't ask God why. I just, because he went into hospital with like a common cold. And then they said he's got a bit of a pneumonia. And three days later, they're just asking me when I want the machine switched off. And I was like, what? You can, I, I, forgive me for interrupting, Pushpa. You are the absolute perfect person to empathize with people that have gone through COVID-19. Very similar situations. People feeling okay one day, then getting sick. At least people that I know here in the States. Getting sick, not being able to breathe, and then they end up passing away. It's just very quick like that. You went through that similar situation. So, I mean, it's incredible what you went through years before that has helped you understand what people are going through now. Have you ever kind of put the two together and looked yes. at it from that perspective? Absolutely. Cause after, um, I think after my mom died and, you know, even though I wasn't studying, I was studying a lot on spirituality there, my connection with God, praying that strength and 
Brian, I've, I've known from as early as I can remember that I was chosen for something it, that always was on the back of my head that I'm here for a reason and I'm here to deliver. That's all I had. So there was no problems. There was no challenges. There was no nothing. For me, everything I saw was there's a reason this is happening and I really need to be in the moment. So even when, you know, when he passed, yes, we went through what we do in, you know, it was, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare because he'd, everything was in the family's name and that's a different story. But I, I don't even know how I got through them a couple of years, but I did even at that time, it was very dark. Like the three of us would just sleep together in a lounge. I, we did that for like two years. It was a frightening time and in the Hindu tradition, a widow is seen as a bad omen if, and that's literally what, 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 what I was seen as. Anyway, beside that, it was 2004, I went to one of Tony's first events, UPW, because my kids were going through depression. And the only way I thought, how can I get these kids out of this, is I remembered my cat and my dog when I was with when my mom passed so I brought them a rabbit and literally overnight everything changed for them they had responsibility they had unconditional love you know they, they were smiling more and it was just phenomenal to see how this beautiful cute little thing can change things around wow so powerful so powerful Pushpa I feel like that that now is the perfect time to transition. You've talked about so many things that you've overcome in your life, the obstacles, the challenges. And, and first of all, I'm grateful that you chose this podcast as a vehicle to share that story. So thank you so very much. Share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. So I believe and. Brian, I know you said encouragement, but I believe it's your intent that's the biggest encouragement. Wow. You're, I never thought of it that way. Your intent is your biggest encouragement. I'm writing that down. I've never pushed, but that is remarkable. Your intent is your biggest encouragement. And, and again, you're 100% on the money. If you cannot be intentional, and, and it's and I'm working on the second book, The Intentional Encourager. It starts with encouraging yourself. That's right. You can never encourage anyone unless you're encouraged yourself. And it has to be intentional. You have to wake up every day realizing that you have to to you have to get encouraged before you can do great things. Oh man. Wow. 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 Push, but please tell folks where they can connect with you, find your content. I know they're going to want to, after hearing this, if you're not connected to Pushpa, you must get connected to Pushpa. Please tell folks where they can connect with you. So, uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Oh, sorry. There's an ambulance going by. Definitely on LinkedIn, we have Facebook. I've got a personal assistant that's just working on my website. Uh, Brian, you're more than welcome to share, you know, any contact details. Our email is info at leadershipbydesign.com.au. And the other, you know, um, on the accounting side of things, Brian, I just want to share that had I not done that accounting, I would never have been headhunted by the tax office. Who would never, and then I would never have been seconded to work at the Treasury, Her Majesty's Treasury. And had that not happened, I would never have come to Australia. Wow. Wow. Again, you never know what God has intended for you. You just think, okay, I'm trying to help my business fix this situation, not even realizing that many. And again, I, I push, but I can totally relate because. I have met incredible people through this, th this podcast. And again, I never dreamed 
that I would have someone from from Australia, and I've had multiple people from Australia on this podcast. I've never, I could have never imagined how this is, and and you have just so eloquently and beautifully reminded us today that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a purpose. Pushpa Vagela, I am so incredibly honored. You have graced this podcast with your presence today. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you. I just can I just add one thing. Brian? You can say whatever you want to say at this point. <laughs> at, at this point, I feel like just turning the microphone to you because anything that I say is not going to be nearly as impactful as what you had to say. The floor is yours, my dear. Yeah, it's just um, I also have a charitable organization and it's the Women's Mentoring Foundation. That's, you know, we're doing a lot of work with women there. So if women, if you are confused, hurting, healing, even if you are healed, you're more than welcome to come and join me there, you know, personally supporting you, helping you. We have a four week program that's consistently allowing you to take action and it can be in any area of, of your life. It doesn't, it's about grief, but grief can be anything if it's in business or your personal life, whatever it is. So that's for women out there because I've traveled the journey and um, I know for certainty that I can help you. And Brian, you're the best. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Now, I appreciate it. I have no doubt that you can help people anywhere. And so, Pushpa, thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Your story is encouraging and it's inspiring. And this is one you're going to want to play again. You're going to want to listen to this one over and over. Thank you, Pushpa, for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you, Brian, so much for having me. God bless you. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.